0: Everybody and welcome. We are back live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. Happy to be here. Happy to be back. Almost to a hundred percent. I really, I really need to start uh, looking at having a roster of guest hosts for the next time i get felled by a food poisoning or whatever it was i don't know what happened uh anyway so yeah it i i pasta chicken something i don't know knocked me out for a day and a half but uh we're back up to speed ready to go I've had my cocoa puffs this morning so let's get to it. Those of you who are listening to this show on podcast platforms, we are available on a number of them. So you can sample the show that way. I do ask that if you do something like that, if you do listen to us as a podcast, give us a rating, give us a give us a uh, a thumbs up or a however many stars or whatever whatever kind of rating is available on your particular player of choice. And uh, let's see if we can skew that algorithm a little bit. We've got listeners in Canada, France, Germany, Romania, Iceland, New Zealand, Spain. Happy to see all of you there. And uh, we are live Monday through Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. So you can join us live. We are broadcasting right now to Facebook Odyssey and YouTube and I do want to encourage you strongly to find us over at Odyssey because uh, you never know what could happen Uh, YouTube has been having some issues. Uh, I know uh, Uncivil law just had his account hacked even though he's got a randomly generated password and two-factor authentication uh, his uh, his channel got hacked and then deleted because of the stuff that the hackers were posting, uh, and he's like, "Well, this this needs to be done." Well, there's an update there. He did get an email. They have confirmed that it was hacked. So it looks like he might be getting it back. But if you can get hacked on YouTube or your Google account with both random, uh, randomly generated password and two factor authentication in place, I mean that's that's Fairly decent security in some in some cases. But if you can get hacked, even with all of that, uh, then it behooves you to uh, find other alternatives. So we're we're on Odyssey. O-D-Y-S-E-E is how it's spelled. Odyssey.com slash at sci-fi for me. A little at symbol, sci-fi for me. Which is kind of annoying because every time I post a link in some social media, it thinks I'm tagging myself but what are you gonna do? It just, that's, that's, that's the way that goes. Dave says, I give sci-fi for me 175% rating. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, I see Manny in the chat. Hello. Good to see you here as well. And uh, I don't know if we're going to go a full hour today because this, this rant is probably going to, well, I say it's a rant. This observation, this discussion is probably going to be Much more time and attention put to it than it deserves anyway. But it's worth a look just because. Uh, A couple of things, though. um, Yesterday we got the word that Paul Wesley from uh, The Vampire Diaries is going to be the new James T. Kirk in Strange New Worlds. Um, Let's temper our excitement, temper our reservations and hesitation. Let's temper our... Gut reactions to this because it's from season two, we're told, which means probably toward the end of season two, which means we're not going to see him in Strange New World season one. And we have no context for the images that we've seen. Yes, Paramount Plus has announced and made it official, but I think they did that because of the photographs from Toronto that leaked uh, the day before, or, or it may, may have been the day of. So we have official word that Paul Wesley is in Star- Strange New Worlds, and then they confirm, yes, he's playing James Kirk. Well, there are a lot of people that are not happy about that. I'm not, I'm not entirely thrilled myself. Mainly because you've got to figure out some way to fudge the timeline in order to make it work. Because depending on where Strange New Worlds falls in the Pike timeline... Remember, the Cage takes place 13 years before the Menagerie, which gives Christopher Pike time for two five-year missions, if you count for resupply and upgrades and and renovations and whatnot in between those times. There's a lot of time to play with where you don't need Jim Kirk anywhere close. And, And at the time, Pike was in command of the Enterprise. Uh... Kirk wasn't was a lieutenant on the Farragut. So the it doesn't all quite match up and and Pike's you know they mentioned in the menagerie Kirk didn't meet Christopher Pike until he was promoted to fleet captain. At which time I think is probably when Kirk got command of the Enterprise, but that's never been established in canon. And you have now this you know did did Kirk was the Enterprise Kirk's first command? It was certainly his first starship command. And remember, early days of the year of the of the show, starship was considered a a, a class of ship uh, before they settled Constitution class starship. You know, it was starship class. That's what's on the commissioning plaque. And Kirk was the youngest captain in Starfleet at the time, thirty-two years old. Paul Wesley is forty. At the moment, so he's already older than the character he's playing. I don't know. There's just some things that don't line up, and some things that that if if we spend too much time an- analyzing them and and postulating about stuff, you could kind of twist yourself up into knots. So I'm I'm at the point. I'm of two minds about it. One, I don't care because it's a Kurtzman show. And I had hopes for this show. I had hopes for Strange New Worlds. And Dave, you got, you've got it there. Gotta love how they start hyping Season 2 even before Season 1 started to air. That's the nature of things. And I don't know that that was the plan. Uh, you know, I get the impression, just based on a couple of things that Paramount has done over the last few weeks given that they announced Star Trek 4, Kelvinverse 4, and the cast didn't know anything about it. And then you have this uh, new migration from Viacom CBS into Paramount Global. There's another, another decision that's done at pretty much the same time. And you have this now, this leak of Strange New Worlds. But you also had the Strange New Worlds teaser come out on the same day as the Disney investors call and in the release of the Kenobi trailer. And it was like somebody over at Paramount is not thinking. But the articles confirming Paul Wesley as James T. Kirk all went out in the trades the same day we got the leak photos, so that w- they were already prepared for it. I don't know. It just it just seems like there's there's a left hand, right hand, we don't know what we're doing type of, of affair going on over at uh, in the offices of Paramount Plus. But that's not what we're gonna talk about today. I just wanted to address it because we're working on a new thing here, a new piece of programming, a new segment wherein we can address the breaking news items like that Paul Wesley is Jim Kirk because you know usually we sit we sit on news items throughout the week and we have Saturday morning, good morning multiverse. We've got all of the news headlines. But some headlines, some breaking news is worthy of immediate commentary. That's one of the things that we haven't done a whole lot. And I'll come on and I'll talk about stuff here sometimes. But we're going to start doing a new segment. I'm, test, I'm, I'm testing out I, I got the I managed yesterday to take some time to, to get the, the title sequence animation built and, and it's ready to go. It's a sequence that's going to be called Coming in Hot, which is basically uh, a double, maybe a double entendre breaking news and hot takes. So you know we'll have, we'll have that segment. and we may open that up for all of you. To contribute your hot takes if some some breaking news item is worthy of comment and, and we'll see what happens there I don't know we'll, we'll 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 wing it we'll play it by ear uh majors good to see you in the chat hope you are doing well sir and uh, I, I I wanted I didn't want to give this too much attention but we're going to give this a little bit of attention. First of all though this is this is Esquire magazine uh, about 6 days ago put out an article called the 50 best books the 50 best fantasy books of all time The 50 best fantasy books of all time It's an article by Adam Morgan and I want to address uh, we're, we're going to talk about this but I want to get your opinion on how best to proceed on this because there's a sequence, there's an order of events, there's a sequence here that I could, uh, that I could do. I can do it a different way. So let me let let's let's see how how things go. Mazur says, um, Mazur says, disconnected and went to see the play Come from Away last night. Good. Okay, I haven't heard of that play, but look, everybody needs, everybody needs that. Uh, That time away from the internet. You know. I don't do it. As much as I should myself. And I probably should. Because. The the last. The last few days. I have been at the point. Where I'm thinking about. Various extreme. Plans. And schemes. For. For. Uh, <laughs> various different end of the world scenarios based on what I've been seeing in the news lately. I just, ugh, uh I gotta, I gotta take a break. I need, I need to, uh, I need to be thinking about something else. So this is an actual nice distraction here. The 50 best fantasy books of all time. Now there's a couple of things that we can do. First, the thing I want to do is get into the definition of fantasy as a genre. Just, just so we're all playing with the same cards in the same game on the same table because fantasy for a lot of people means a lot of different things. Uh, Star Wars is space fantasy but fantasy in this particular regard we're talking about stuff like wizards and dragons and swords and magic and you know sword and sorcery stuff and and supernatural uh, spells the closest thing to science, and the fantasy genre is alchemy, you know, people trying to turn lead into gold that sort of thing. A lot of a lot of crystals and and that that are imbued with supernatural powers and you know uh, spirits of the earth and, and whatnot. So this is uh, this is masterclass.com this, I just popped this up as a as a definition of fantasy. Because they do have a pretty good list of the sub genres, the different types of fantasy. You have higher epic fantasy, think Lord of the Rings type of thing, really big, sweeping grand tales. Low fantasy, set in the real world, low fantasy includes unexpected magical elements that shock characters, like the plastic figurines come to life in Lynn Reed Banks' The Indian in the Cupboard. <clears throat> magical realism, Similar to low fantasy, magical realism characters accept fantastical elements like levitation and telekinesis as a normal part of their otherwise realistic world, as in Gabriel Garcia Marquez's classic 100 Years of Solitude. You got sword and sorcery, think Conan the Barbarian, Red Sonja, um, John Carter could be fantasy, Tarzan possibly could be fantasy. Uh, you've got uh, swords and magic and witchcraft and, and that kind of thing. You've got dark fantasy, combining elements of fantasy and horror. Uh, Lovecraft sometimes can be considered uh, dark fantasy, but Lovecraft is mostly horror. Uh, fables, using personified animals and the supernatural. You've got fairy tales intended for children, which if you've, if you've not read some of the original fairy tales... Grimm's fairy tales, those are dark. Not, not the Disney-fied fairy tales. The real ones, they're dark. Superhero fiction, this is the only one that I don't really care uh, to, to include in fantasy. I don't think superhero fiction is, is fantasy. I think superhero fiction is, is set apart on its own. Uh, because of the different natures of various superheroes, because you have a lot of superheroes who are aliens—that's science fiction. Uh, you have some, <coughs> excuse me, you have some that are magic. I mean, Intrigan, uh, Intrigan the the demon, is one. Um, all of the all of the the cast of characters in the Warlord comic book—that's that's fantasy. But superheroes, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, all that don't generally fall under fantasy for me. Uh, Encyclopedia Britannica says fantasy is imaginative imaginative fiction dependent for effect on strangeness of setting, such as other worlds or times and of characters such as supernatural or unnatural beings. Examples include William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, Jonathan Swift's Gulliver's Travels, J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, and T.H. White's The Once and Future King. Science fiction can be seen as a form of fantasy. I don't agree. But the terms are not interchangeable as science fiction usually is set in the future and is based on some aspect of science or technology while fantasy is set in an imaginary world and features the magic and mythical beings. So, yeah, so, okay. So, magic, myth, sword and sorcery, dragons, dungeons, wizards, witches, trolls, elves... Demons, that kind of thing. That's that's what we're talking about. We're talking about fantasy. And yes, uh, Mrs. Boss, uh, we do have an old sci-fi for chicks episode on fantasy and sci-fi. Um, I would have to look to see if that's even available online anywhere anymore. I'm not sure that it is. Uh, if you've got if you've got time, if you want to take a look over at the .dot com and see if it's there. <clears throat> Yeah, right. Right, Mazers. not to be not to be uh hang on, let me let me what is this? That's not. That's not what I want. Hold on. How did that Oh, 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 oh I know what I'm doing here. Hit the wrong hit the wrong set. Uh, major says, not to be confused with the Twitter troll variety, but equ- <laughs> equally horrifying. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's get into this list because I want to do this first and then then do we want to set the context with a look at the author first or take a look at his list first and then look at him? Because Adam Morgan has said some things to put some context to this. And his caveat actually kind of undermines what he's trying to do here. So, why don't we, we want to go through, let's, let's go through the list first. This is Adam Morgan, March 11th, Esquire Magazine, which is really interesting that Esquire would have published this. Uh, Reading from the article, fantasy is the oldest genre of literature, predating the invention of bound books by thousands of years thanks to mythology and folklore. Yet even now, readers and critics can't always agree on what fantasy is and what it isn't. At least his grammar is good. For some, ancient poetry like Beowulf, the Odyssey, and the Epic of Gilgamesh is fair game. By the way, we are broadcasting to Odyssey, spelled differently, O-D-Y-S-E-E. For others, the modern genre for adults began with George MacDonald's fantasies in 1858, the story of a thirsty 21-year-old who wakes up in fairyland and falls in love with a marble statue sculpted by Pygmalion. Origins aside, most scholars agree on a basic definition. Fantasy is when something we consider supernatural occurs that can't be explained by technology, as in science fiction, or the macabre, as in horror. Of course, there are no strict borders between these genres. Many books could be reasonably shelved under all three. Take a look at Alien, for example. Uh, Alien is both science fiction and horror. Mrs. Boss has the link in the chat for that, uh, that episode of Sci-Fi for Chicks discussing fantasy. Uh, Keely, good to see you in the chat. What's going on? We're looking at Esquire Magazine's to- best 50 fantasy books of all time. <clears throat> so, continuing here in the article. For this list, we concentrated on novels that are primarily fantasy, which is why you won't see genre straddlers like Madeline Lingle's A Wrinkle in Time or Gene Wolfe's The Book of the New Sun. Okay, so he's already qualified the category, which may be a mistake. To keep this lineup manageable, we only included books originally published as a bound book on paper, which ruled out classics like Journey to the West and 1001 Nights, and ensured they were currently and easily available in print. We also limited the list to one book per author to avoid crowding it with multiple titles in the same series. While all lists are subjective, and this is key, remember that, we're going to circle back to that. While all lists are subjective, we emphasize books that brought something new and innovative to the genre. Books that inspired other fantasy writers as well as readers. In ranked order, here are... The best fantasy books of all time. Right? Okay. Now, one thing that I notice in this is there are Amazon links to some of these books. Which means he's got an affiliate code somewhere. Which means he makes money whenever any of these get sold. Keep that in mind as well. Just say it. Hello, Robert. Good to see you in the chat as well. Number 50, The City of Brass by S.A. Chakraborty. Harper Voyager. I've never heard of this book. Uh, first novel in Chakraborty's trilogy set in the 18th century Cairo, where a thief-slash-exorcist named Nari... Accidentally summons a djinn warrior. Together they travel to the city of Brass, a magical metropolis called Devbald, Devabad. Uh, Nari's story continues in two fast-paced sequels, Kingdom of Copper and Empire of Gold, with a spinoff story compilation, The River of Silver, forthcoming this October. See, now, they're not telling you when these were published. But this one was published in... We're going to take a look here. 2018. Number 49, The Night Circus by Aaron Morgensen. See, also uh, a an Amazon link. This was published in 2012. I'm not going to go through every single one of these because some of these I've never even heard of. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Number 48, The Buried Giant by Kazuo Ishiguro, which won the Nobel Prize for Literature, published in 2016. In the Dark Ages, after the death of King Arthur, a mysterious mist prevents Britons from storing long-term memories. An elderly couple, convinced that a son they can barely remember is missing, journeys across the country to find him, where they stumble upon ogres, a dragon, and Sir Gawain, the buried giant. That actually sounds pretty interesting. I've always been peripherally kind of a a fan. I've, I've been more interested than I've acted upon... On the Arthurian legends. I do have a couple of uh, things in my library. I might need to look at this one. This this actually looks kind of interesting. But I'm not going to use his Amazon uh, link. Uh, number 47. The Library at Mount Char by Scott Hawkins. This was published in 2016. Uh, do, 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 do. Ring Shout by P. Jilly Clark. This is published by TOR. 2020. Okay. Uh, Number 45, The Other City by Michael Ajvaz. Which was published in 2009. Translated into English in 2009. The Other City is a challenging but immensely rewarding novel set in Prague where an unnamed narrator discovers a purple book written in an indecipherable language. He then realizes that there's another surreal version of the city existing in the same space as the familiar one. His midnight travels through this other city are rich with Burgasian and Dalyaskian imagery resulting in a reading experience you'll never forget. Okay, Number 44, The Sorcerer of the Wild Deeps by Kai Ashanti Wilson. I haven't heard of any of these people yet. I haven't heard any of these authors. 2015 is the the publication date of this. Manny, I think you've you've touched on something here that we're going to expand on, the fact that these are recent books, not some of the classics. Hey, hang tight. We're going to we're going to address that because this is yeah, okay. This is from 2015, The Sorcerer of the Wild Deeps. Uh 43, The Unfinished World by Amber Sparks uh, and other stories. This looks like it might be a collection, some sort of an anthology here. 2016 to the publication date there. It is a collection of short stories, an assortment of knights, werewolves, astronauts, librarians, time travelers, and dinosaurs. Okay, Witchmark by C.L. Polk, also published by Tor. You know, I, I need to go through here and see... How many of these are published by Tor? Because <clears throat> there's, there's another thing there. Witchmark 2018, winner of the 2019 World Fantasy Award for Best Novel. So, okay, maybe it's got a little street cred. Tales of Falling and Flying by Ben Lurie comes in at 41 and it is available, published in 2017... Number 40 what should be wild by Julia Fine uh, published in 2019 my goodness my goodness my goodness uh, a darker shade of magic by VE Schwab now this is the first author of this list so far that i have heard of mainly because we've taken we've had some stories on good morning multiverse about VE Schwab's getting a, a a comic book series a limited run, a limited thing. I think it's over. Boom or Image, not Image. It might be Boom. Uh, it might be Titan, uh, where they're they're taking. I think they're taking um, one of her one of her book series and adapting it as a comic book, or or expanding expanding the book series with a graphic novel that's that's in that same universe or something. I, I can't remember. It's been a while. So, A Darker Shade of Magic by V. E. Schwab. Which was published in... 2016. Okay. The Vor by Brian Catling. Haven't heard of him. Uh, a dark, polarizing novel filled with passages of exquisite beauty and heartache. That doesn't tell me anything. It was published in 2015. Okay. Vintage is the imprint. Tigana by Gary Gavriel Kay, number 37. This is from Berkeley, the imprint. This was published in 1999. All right, there's our oldest one yet, 1999. In the 1970s, Guy Gabriel Kay helped Christopher Tolkien edit The Cimmerillion after the passing of J.R.R. Tolkien. In the de- decades since, Kay has become one of the most prolific fantasy writers of his generation, often setting his novels in worlds that closely resemble historical places on Earth. His most impressive book, 1990s Tagana, takes place on a planet with two moons, magic, and a culture inspired by medieval Italy's warring provinces. If this guy is the most prolific of his generation, I have never heard of him. How how prolific is the rest of the generation? I'm just asking the question. I'm just asking the question. All right, let me scroll through here. We're, we're, we're go through. 36, The Black Tides of Heaven by Neon Yang. Haven't heard of that one either. Uh, finalist for the Nebula, Hugo, and World Fantasy Awards in 2018, which means it was probably published in 2017. Because that's how these work. Yes, 2017. Um, A Game of Thrones by George R. R. Martin. Published in 1996. Well, this one, this one was not published in ninety six. When was this? It doesn't matter. Everybody's heard of Game of Thrones. All right, so there's two on this on this two on this list that I've heard of authors that I've heard of. Two. Number thirty four, The Subtle Knife by Philip Pullman. I've heard of Pullman because of the his Dark Material series, uh, which this is one of them. Uh, also, not uh, not an old book. By any stretch, uh, let's see when was this? When was this published? Interesting. It doesn't say uh, 20, uh, 2001. Okay, so again, we're we're not anywhere near classic on any of this stuff. Thirty three, Queen of the Concern by Cason Calendar. Never heard of it. Uh, Thirty two, Al Kalpa Imperial by Angelica Gorodisher. Small beer press, you know. Every now and again, I see small beer press coming up with some stuff. The late Argentine writer Angelica Gorodischer deserves far more attention for this novel and stories translated by none other than Ursula K. Le Guin in 2003. Le Guin is uh, nothing to nothing to sneeze at. Stardust by Neil Gaiman, I've heard of Neil Gaiman. I've seen the movie Stardust. I haven't read the book. The Blue Fox by Sean. I'm going to uh, assume that's how it's pronounced. Where the Mountain Meets the Moon by Grace Lin. 2010 Newbery Honor, which means it's a recent book. Get in Trouble by Kelly Link, number 28. Fairies, vampires, ghosts, superheroes, astronauts, and other imaginary beings populate these nine stories from Link's brilliant 2015 collection. Um, when When did astronauts become part of fantasy? Number 27, Redemption in Indigo by Karen Lord. And I don't think this is Indigo Montoya. Published in 2010. Foundryside by Robert Jackson Bennett. Number 26. Twenty... When was this? Uh, It's the sequel. This is a fantasy heist novel. Okay. And it was published in... Twenty nineteen. Now I know we, we started off with this in the in the book uh, in the beginning of the article. He says they've limited the list to things that are still available, but I didn't realize that this was going to be a sales pitch for everything that you've got available at Amazon using your code. Seems a little disingenuous here. Uh, number twenty five. Moon witch. Spider king. Second book in Marlon James Dark Star trilogy. Uh, so this was... Uh, the, the first book was published in 2019. So this was after that. 24, The Drowned Life by Jeffrey Ford. Uh, 2008 short story collection. Number 23, Uprooted by Naomi Novik. Published by Del Rey. Del Rey has quite a history in uh, science fiction and fantasy publishing. Uh, uprooted based on Polish mythology. Interesting there let's see when was this published 2016 i'm detecting a pattern here the bird king by g willow wilson now i know g willow wilson from the marvel comics kamala khan the you know run on kamala khan um so i know this one is recent because g willow wilson is not is not old uh, number 21, The Changeling by Victor Laval. I think I've heard of Victor Laval. Maybe not. This is 2018. All right, so still the oldest book that we've got on this list is 1999. All right, now number 20, The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. And of course, Sanderson, of course, picked by the Robert Jordan estate to finish the Wheel of Time series. And I do believe, let me look here and check on, uh, his Kickstarter is currently sitting at $29 million. All right. Number 19, The Shadow Rising by Robert Jordan. Okay. Robert Jordan I've heard of. This is the first book in the 14-volume Wheel of Time series. Oh, and this is not the first book. I want to say this was the, uh, this is book four. It was published in 2012. Hmm. Ozma of Oz. Oh, wait! Hey! Here's one that's got some length in the teeth. Ozma of Oz by L. Frank Baum. This is the third book in the series. It was published in 1907. So we now have our, our new oldest entry in the list Ozma of Oz. The best and the most inventive of the 13 sequels. Dorothy's first journey beyond the borders of Oz. She encounters the earliest humanoid robot in fiction, TikTok, as well as the vain Princess Langwidere. One of the most terrifying villains in the history of fantasy who can take off her head and replace it with one of 30 alternates locked away in her castle full of mirrors. That would be kind of scary. Uh, number 17, Once and Forever by Kenji Miyazawa. Published in... Let's see, this was... This was published in... This uh, this particular edition was published in 2018. The Voyage of the Dawn Treader by C.S. Lewis. Okay, there's another one that I've heard of. This is part of the Chronicles of Narnia, 1952. Number 15, The Palm Wine Drinkard by Amos Tutola, uh, 1952. One of the first African novels translated into English. Uh, Number 14, Latro in the Mist by Gene Wolfe. Gene Wolfe I've heard of. I've not read any of his stuff. These are two stories from 86 and 89 collected together. Number 13, The Bloody Chamber by Angela Carter. Uh, Ten stories from uh, the English writer Angela Carter, first collected in 1979, and have since become a foundational text for feminist fantasy. Uh which is, let's see, each story revisits a popular fairy tale, Sleeping Beauty, Little Red Riding Hood, Beauty and the Beast, both examines and subverts the way women are treated. <clears throat> okay. Number 12, Kindred by Octavia Butler. I know that's not... Uh, first first uh, published in 1979... Children of Bu- Blood and Bone by Tommy Adeyemi. We've got this one out in the radar because Kathleen Kennedy wanted to adapt this over at Lucasfilm, and that seems to have been gone away. This was published in 2018. Mist, The Book of Actress by Rand Miller, Robin Miller, and David Wingrove, published in 1995. This is connected to the video game Mist, spelled with a Y. Circe by Madeline Miller, number nine. Uh, it's a retelling of the story of Circe. Number eight, A Stranger in Alondria by Sophia Samatar, also Small Beer Press. That's that's one coming up. This is published in 2013, I think. Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by Susanna Clark This was adapted as a TV show here not too long ago. Set and uh, published in 20, uh, 2004. And it was set in an alternative version of 19th century England where magic is real. Number six, A Hero Born by Jin Yong. Uh, first volume of the Condor Trilogy. Originally serialized by a Hong Kong newspaper in the late 1950s. Okay. Number five, Who Fears Death by Nindi Oko- uh, Okorafor. 2010. The Grace of Kings by Kin Liu. Number four, all of these, and these are, these are all all recent stuff. A Wizard of Ursi coming in at number three, Ursula Le Guin, 1968 novel. A Fellowship of the Ring, number two. Number two, The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien. Number one, The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemison. Published in 2015. <coughs> Adam Morgan says that... This is a genuine masterclass... In world building, atmosphere and plotting. Across 500 pages... Jemison's imagination pushes the genre forward... In exciting new directions... A climate-wracked supercontinent... Unlike any fantasy world that came before it... Three unforgettable women... Who can move mountains with their minds and a truly earth-shattering twist. N.K. Jemison's The Fifth Season, number one on the list of the 50 best fantasy books of all time. All time. See, that's a key part of this. The 50 best fantasy books of all time. And we're going to get into Mr. Morgan's caveat when we get back right after this. I'm going to let this I'm going to let this kind of kind of distill and and you can ruminate and and we'll be right back and and we'll talk a little bit more about this. So stay tuned, stand by, be right back. Live from the bunker. The radio show that's almost as good as bacon. Sci-Fi For Me is about to take you on an incredible journey into the realms of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors conventions and fandom, previews and reviews of movies and television. Sci-Fi For Me is working to be the most popular science fiction magazine in the solar system. Subscribe now and enter the fantastic world of Sci-Fi For Me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Foreign Bodies, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Back live from the Bunker, Jason Hutt here, along with all of you. And we are going through Esquire Magazine's 50 best fantasy books of all time. Dave in the chat says, The best to me implies titles which have proven themselves over time and remain today. I I would tend to agree with you on that. But let's let's take a look here for a second at Mr. Adam Morgan because he's the one who wrote this article and he's written this article with caveats. <clears throat> uh Adam Morgan, literary critic and the founder of the Chicago Review of Books, Southern Review of Books and Chicago Literary Archive and over on Twitter when people are asking him about this um he says shockingly the best selling authors i've been called an idiot moron illiterate for leaving off this list all have shall we say something in common um what do they have in common mr morgan read it. He hasn't read enough fantasy. I've never even heard of half these books. Me, perhaps it is you who hasn't read enough. Now I'm going to, I'm going to give him that point because there are a lot of these, 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 these lists are entirely subjective to start with. Anytime you use the word best or greatest or most, or, you know, any kind of superlative hyperbole like that, you're getting into subjective territory. It doesn't necessarily mean that these stories are objectively the best. It just means you think they're the best for whatever reasons. And it's a matter of opinion, and you are entitled to your, your opinion. If you think this X title is the best, good on you. You may have, you very well likely do have, reasons for thinking that it's the best. In which case, you should say, this is the best, I think this is the best, and here's why. On the other hand, there are people who are allowed to sit there and look at you kind of funny sideways and think, why do you think that's the best? You clearly have not gotten out into the world enough. But I generally tend to look at these lists as as recommended reading lists, because if somebody thinks that these titles are worthy of attention... I'll at least take a look and see, well, is there anything there that just trips my trigger? And I think I might want to look at it. For example, that, that one Arthurian book that's on that list. Um, you know, The Buried Giant. Maybe I might want to check it out. It sounds interesting. It's, it's, the, it's, it's tied into the King Arthur legend. Sir Gawain shows up. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm I'm cautiously interested. <clears throat> but you also have nowadays this division, this divide among the literati, the people. The, and, and I saw this point on a discussion thread in Facebook. There is, there is now this divide between the people who were fans of science fiction fantasy before it was cool... And the people now who want to make science fiction and fantasy this highbrow literary art form that it really probably should not be. Because you look at some of the covers of these books, none of these covers are interesting to me. Where's if if you're if you're doing a fantasy book, where's Frazetta? Where's Boris? Where's Julie? You know, get some artwork in there from people like that. Not necessarily them. But I've seen a number of younger artists who are in that sandbox who are doing some fantastic work. Where's the fantasy art to go on the cover of these fantasy books? but are they really fantasy books? Is that what they're really supposed to be about? Or is it about something else? That's a whole another discussion. But you have the whole <laughs> Sad Puppies Hugo Award crowd. All of that divide the political identitarians that are a part of this movement now. And that, I, I'm sure, affects things too. I mean, you look at Adam Morgan saying here, you know, the, the ones that got left off all have something in common. Well, what is that? He's implying that they're either... What? What is, he, what is he saying? What do they all have in common? They're all white? They're all dead? They all wrote a certain kind of fantasy that's a little less message fiction and, and more me with a story fiction. I I don't know. I would, I, they all had blue eyes. What do they all have in common there, Adam? <coughs> but then later on, uh, he's posted a couple of things here, just various different things. Um... Here's a a retweet, Adrian Westenfeld, I have no idea who this is. From the classics to the disruptors, see if your favorite fantasy book made it onto Adam's wonderful list. There aren't that many classics on this list. And disruptors, how are you defining disruptors? Uh, Adam says, I agonized over the 50 best fantasy books of all time. How many have you read? This is not a list from all time. It's not. It's not. Now he does address this. He says, Getting a ton of recency bias comments and wanted to say, You're right. I deliberately included more books by living authors instead of all the classics that have already been on a billion lists. So, he's going into it with a personal bias. And Where is J.K. Rowling? If you want to talk about a disruptor... Harry Potter Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was a disruptor in the literary world. Because it got a lot of kids reading. It sold millions of copies. It birthed an entirely new franchise of books and movies and merchandise... It's a multi-million dollar franchise. It certainly would count to me as a disruptor. And as far as I know, J.K. Rowling is still alive. And as far as I know, her books are still available on Amazon. I don't know that you... Agonized that much over this, Adam. But hey, that that you do you. I'll go back and take a look at this and and see, you know, if there's anything really that I think is interesting on all of this, because there could be, maybe, but I don't know that NK Jemsen is worth number one on the list, considering that you've only got one book in Tolkien, one book in C.S. Lewis. Where's Anne McCaffrey? Where's Ursula Le Guin? If you're going to if you're going to say these are the top 50 books of all time. See, and that's that's the caveat here. If you're going to say all time, then you have to figure for all time. Not just the best 50 books from the last 25 years or the best 50 books from the last 50 years. If you're going to say all time, then that's your set. That's your that this is math. All right, you're defining your set of numbers. All time is from now all the way back to the beginning of when fantasy literature began. Mythology, folklore, fairy tales, whatever. That's your data set. If you're going to limit it to the 1900s and forward, or if you're going to limit it to the 2000s and forward, mid-19th century to now, or you know whatever, whatever your defining parameters are, you should say that. Now, he does qualify that in the list, in the article, but the headline says, the 50 best fantasy books of all time. As Rush Limbaugh used to say, and I quote very often, "Words mean things," and these young skulls full of mush don't have the life experiences and the education to parse the meanings of the words. If you're going to say fifty years of all, you know, the fifty best books of all time. Is that all time, all the time that you've been alive, Adam? Because we all know Millennials, nothing in history exists for Millennials prior to when they were born. I'm actually surprised that there are any books on this list that are older than 1990. But that's just me. Now here's one. This is from NPR. This is a list... From 2011. <clears throat> so it doesn't have a whole lot of the modern books on it. Um, but this is the top 100 science fiction and fantasy books. I'm not going to go through all of them. But I just want to go through because this is, a, this is a reader survey. Now remember, if you look over at Rotten Tomatoes, for example, you look at any time that there's any kind of a, of a, of a, of a comparison between the critics and the general public. There's usually kind of a disconnect between what one crowd likes and what another crowd likes. And you can see that distinctively in some of the Rotten Tomatoes things. But if you look at, you know, we just published here, I just posted an article over on, on the dot com. If you go to sci fi for me dot com, you can see it. Asimov Science Fiction Magazine has just posted the finalist for their Reader's Awards. And that's the readers fill out a poll and say these are the best stories that we think are the best stories. It's not Asimov's editorial staff doing it; it's the readers doing it. This is the same kind of thing. NPR put together here more than sixty thousand ballots cast in our annual summer readers survey, and they have uh, you know links and whatever. And then here they have the they had two hundred and thirty-seven finalists. These are their top 100. I'm not going to go through all of them, <clears throat> but it is a distinct difference in what readers think are the best, and what the critterati critic critic kriti, critterati. Krit, what do we call them? critac activists I don't know. Any anyway. So number 1 on this list, NPR, The Lord of the Rings trilogy. Number 2, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Ender's Game, The Dune Chronicles, which Dune Chronicles could be either science fiction or fantasy, it goes both the way. This space fantasy is the same as Star Wars is. A Song of Fire, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, the series, 1984, Fahrenheit 451, The Foundation trilogy, Brave New World, American Gods, that's a there's fantasy. Princess Bride, The Wheel of Time, Animal Farm, Neuromancer, Watchmen, I Robot, Stranger in a Strange Land. I mean, I, you go through this stuff. The Kingkiller Chronicles by by Patrick Rothfuss, Slaughterhouse Five from Kurt Vonnegut, um, The Handmaid's Tale from Margaret Atwood. Now see, Margaret Atwood is another one who has tripped over the cancel cult by some of the things that she's been saying. Here's Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. You've got Ray Bradbury, Anthony Burgess with the Clockwork Orange, Watership Down by Richard Adams, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. Uh, a, a, a Canticle for Leibowitz by Walter Miller. Flowers for Algernon. That's a good that's a that's a good story. The War of the Worlds, The Chronicles of Amber by Roger Zelazny. Uh, let's see, Marion Zimber Bradley is on here with The Mists of Avalon. Uh, Ringworld by Larry Niman. <laughs> Excuse me. The Left Hand of Darkness. The Cimmerillion. Watch of the Future King. Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. Now, yeah, there are there are some repeats here. Neil Gaiman's on here a few times. Arthur C. Clarke, Tolkien, Le Guin, all of these guys. But if you're going to be talking about the best... And if you limit yourself to one title from a particular author... Then is that actually the best? Words mean things. Uh, Robert, uh, what was what was Margaret Atwood been talking about? She she kind of she kind of strayed into the same territory that J.K. Rowling did, only not as, not as overtly, not as. Uh, Not as intensely, I guess you could say. I think she said some things that kind of accidentally got her into some hot water as opposed to Rowling, who's doubled down on everything. And she actually has come out and said that The Handmaid's Tale is not supposed to be feminist fiction. As, as as in message feminist fiction, kind of like what we're used to now, which I thought was an interesting comment. I don't know. Oh, I've never, I haven't read The Handmaid's Tale, so I don't know. I, I don't have an impression of that book. <coughs> Excuse me. Cryptonomicon by Neil Stevenson, World War Z by Max Brooks, The Last Unicorn by Peter Beagle, The Forever War by Joe Haldeman. We've interviewed Joe Haldeman on this very program. Um... The Vork, the Vorkosigan, no, uh, the Vorkosigan saga by Lois uh, McMaster Bujol, Going Postal by Terry Pratchett, Sword of Truth by Terry Goodkind. This is where this is where you get into some of the best. Yeah, you, know, you ask the readers, you ask the people who know, because they've read and they have an opinion. Uh, I Am Legend by Richard Matheson, Uh, the Farseer Trilogy by Robin Hobb. Now, you're going to you're going to look here. You know, Orson Scott Card is included in the readers list. You're never going to find his name on a best of from from the from the critics. Not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, the Legend of Drizzt series by R.A. Salvatore. Journey to the Center of the Earth by Jules Verne. Rendezvous with Rama by Arthur C. Clarke. Uh, De- uh, Cam113, I could see you in the chat. It says, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress is one of my favorite novels. I've never read that one. I need to. Uh, the Crystal Cave by Mary Stewart. See, there's, there's stuff on this list that I haven't even heard of here. The Thrawn Trilogy by Timothy Zahn. Uh, Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon. I think I saw. uh, There's something wicked this way comes. I'd go off of this list first. The Time Traveler's Wife. The movie was just awful. Um, Let's see. This is. I mean, this is an interesting. This is an interesting set. This is a much, a much broader, a much interesting set of books. Uh, the space trilogy by C.S. Lewis. Did you guys know that, that C.S. Lewis wrote something besides the Chronicles of Narnia and and the Screw Tape Letters? The space trilogy is kind of interesting. I haven't. I have got into the beginning of the first book and got distracted. I haven't been able to finish them, but I uh, I have those. I need to uh, I need to to read them. Uh, Manny says I heard R.A. Salvatore is a good author. He he. Uh, I have enjoyed what I've read of his. Robert says the Crystal Cave is, in my opinion, the best 20th century retelling of the King Arthur story, beginning with the life of Merlin in the Crystal Cave. I have to check that out. I've not read. I've not read that book. Um, R. A. Salvatore. Just on a side note, I interviewed him at one point. I don't even know if it's still out there somewhere. It might be an audio file on the .com uh, where we talked about the fact that he was the one who killed Chewbacca in the extended universe. And before everybody gets all up in arms, he was told to do it because Lucasfilm had already made the decision and he was the one who got the assignment and he was like, okay, well, if I have to do this, I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to give him a heroic death, but that decision was already made before Salvatore wrote that book. So it's an interesting uh, discussion on how the process went uh, for that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was an interesting story. But um, I'll have to look and see if I can find uh, that. I don't know if, if Mrs. Boss can can take a look and see if she can find that link. Um, that would be helpful because we can post that in the in the chat, and you guys can go listen to that. It's, it was a, it was a fun conversation. I I always enjoy talking to people about the you know about their process, about writing, about uh, R. A. Salvatore. S a l v a t o r e r a Salvatore. R-A Salvatore. Um, I want to say this. We talk. I talked to him. Oh wow. Um, let's see. I started. Let's see. Two thousand nine. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how long ago that was. It was a. It was. It was quite a while ago. Um, it was quite a while ago. But it. It. It probably is still out there. If not, I'll see if I can dig it up in the archives and see if we can post it. I don't. I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to look. Mm. There it is. There it is. There it comes right there. SciFiForMe.com. There is the interview with Ari Salvatore. And for those of you who are watching on um, Odyssey and Facebook, what I'll do is I'll go through here and I will find those. I will. I will post those links in the notes. Uh, in the in the video description because um, odyssey doesn't let me do uh, very much in the way of comments and whatnot on on some things but i'll put those the, the links the interview with aria salvatore and the sci-fi chicks uh, episode i will put those links in so you can check those out and we will put those out there. Uh, okay, so that's going to do it for us. Yes, uh, yes, Mitty, you will get a raise. Uh, and, and I will double what I pay you. <clears throat> uh, 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 right? Okay, tomorrow on the program, uh, speaking of having conversations with guests, tomorrow on the program, I will be talking with Joshua Weiss about his new book that's coming out next week. is called Beat the Devils. We will be talking about that and his approach to writing science fiction with uh, maybe not necessarily a filter, but he's influenced by his faith. So we're going to be talking about the intersection of Judaism and science fiction tomorrow, as well as talking about the book Beat the Devils, I have not had a chance to look into this yet to start reading it, but I am going to start. Uh, I'm going to take a look. Uh, so we're going to talk about that tomorrow. Let me just go through here and see what it's called it's USA 1958. President Joseph McCarthy sits in the White House, elected on a wave of populist xenophobia and barely concealed anti Semitism. The country is in the firm grip of McCarthy's Hueys, a secret police force evolved from the House Un American Activities Committee. Hollywood's sparkling vision of the American dream has been suppressed. Its remaining talents forced to turn out endless anti-communist propaganda. Well, this sounds like it could be interesting. All right, I'm going to we'll get into that. We'll talk about that tomorrow. And in the meantime, you can look at all of the other different videos that we've got. Uh, We do invite you to subscribe and uh, turn your notifications on and find us on all of the different social media platforms. We're on 10 of them right now, four different video platforms, and I really do strongly encourage you to connect with us on Odyssey. I really like to get the numbers up on that. We're sitting currently at 152. I would like to get that up higher. Uh, And you have to have a channel in order to comment, but you don't have to have a channel to watch. So there is that. But odyssey.com, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com slash at, the little at sign, sci-fi for me. Uh, We're also on Rumble. We're also on Twitch uh, in addition to YouTube. So find us on there. If you are uh, inclined to support us financially, there's a PayPal tip jar. We've also got a Subscribestar subscribestar account that I need to update. And uh, you can sign up for our newsletter as well. And uh, I will try to get a newsletter out this weekend to see, you know, let everybody know what's been going on. All right. And uh, don't forget, we've got a new feature coming at some point. It's called Coming In Hot. And we will have uh, breaking news and hot takes and whatnot. And that's going to do it for us today. Glad I'm feeling better. Glad you're all here. Thanks very much for being here. Thanks for your comments in the live chat. If you are, again, in replay one, you can still leave a comment. <clears throat> Two, if you've got feedback you want to send us, uh, you can uh, send an email live from the bunker at sci-fi-for-me.com and um, let us know topics that you want us to discuss, people that you'd like us to invite to be guests, and uh, we've got some we've got some interesting stuff coming up as we roll toward episode 400. I can't believe we're this far along already. With 300, what is it today? 383. 384. This is 384. We're that close to 400. Also, mark your calendars for March 23rd. Our 13th anniversary is right around the corner. One week from today, we will be 13 years old. So uh, so tune in for that. We got some stuff that we're talking about doing uh, next week. So uh, hopefully you'll be around for that. In the meantime, subscribe, thumbs up, share, all that good stuff on your way out. Tell people what you think about it. And we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Remember, they want you to think there are five lights. But there are only four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.